starting Wednesday week, uh, Dave and I will be teaching a marriage and relationship series for six weeks. So it'll lead us right up to Thanksgiving. And really encourage you, if you're married or if you're in a relationship or you think you're going to be married one day, uh, we invite all, all of you to uh, attend. And uh, it's actually some Jimmy Evans material that we've adapted, and we throw in some uh, Raymond clips just to keep it lighthearted so we're not too heavy-handed on, on any particular back and forth going with all those things. And, and we, uh, we, we, use, we use Frank, the dad, we use him a lot, but uh, we use him as a bad example of how to, to do things. So, so uh, I encourage you to do that. Also, today is small group. There's a table in the back uh, corner. And listen, I want you to humor your pastor today. If you're an adult, I want every adult to go by, go by that table and uh, read there. And listen, if you find a small group there that you're interested in, write your name and your, and your contact info there. You're not signing away your children or promising to give $100,000 to a small group or you know any of those things. You're just saying, hey, I'm interested in this. Contact with me with more information. Some of the small groups, we've got some new ones. got seven this time, and uh, some of them are brand new. And some of them meet this week. And so you want to make sure that you, uh, you connect with that. Okay. Now, I found out during the uh, first service that I had way too much information to preach. Uh, Y'all hear me say that a lot during the second service? (laughs) Uh, So we need to, we need to kind of really get into this and, and uh, I don't want to be, I don't want to be so rushed that it's, that it appears to be clinical. And I'm afraid the, the first, you know, the first 20 to 25, maybe 30 minutes of this does appear to be clinical, but it's important for you to hear. And we're in the, we're in a series called Counterfeits, and uh, this is week three. And uh, the first week we talked about the counterfeits of sex, and we talked about the counterfeits last week, uh, counterfeits of worship. And uh, this week follows real well with worship because we're going to talk about the counterfeits of religion. And uh, we could talk about how people in churches have religion instead of Jesus. And that's bad, but that's not what we're talking about. We're going to talk about actual false religions. And I know you may think, well, that doesn't apply to me. Yes, it does, because uh, while you and I, you know, I mentioned the early service how we, we fight over, you know, things like dunking and sprinkling. And we believe in dunking people. That's, we're dunkers around here, you know, about baptism. And we believe that's what the Bible talks about is immersion all the way down. But, you know, while we've been arguing over dunking and sprinkling with other churches, I mean, churches here in our community, False religions have gotten a toehold in our own backyard. They're building their temples. They're building their mosques. They are changing the attitude of our country to accept them and say, well, you know what? They're pretty good people, so their religion is probably also okay as well. But they're also, you know, and you may think, well, it still doesn't affect me. Let me tell you this. They're not just coming for your neighbor down the street. They're coming for your family too. Your, your parents that aren't saved that you want to see saved, they're coming for them. That's what they're doing is they're trying to get them. Your kids that aren't in church, they're wanting to get them as well. And so you need to know, and I'm going to talk to you about four of, uh, really the four major false religions, uh, in my estimation, these are the major ones, the ones that you and I are familiar with that are really coming into our country right now. And we need to be able to stand, stand against them. And, and you know what we do with this thing? And, and, and um, sometimes people will say something, you know, and I mentioned this the other day, and people will say something. And, and, and instead of saying, I don't know about that, you know what we'll do, we'll just, hmm, and nod our head. And they think we're, they think we're saying, yeah, that's right, I agree. When you nod your head saying, hmm, even though you're, you're saying, I don't believe that, hmm. You're, you know, we've got, we got to make sure we don't do that because other people are standing around listening to us as well. And they know you're a Christian, and then you're agreeing with one of these false religions. I mean, we need to be more careful of those kinds of things. We need to know what we believe. We need to know why we believe it. And we need to stand up for what is right. We stand up for what we believe. I mean, 
We need to get some boldness every once in a while. We need to say, no, that's not it. Let me tell you what Scripture says. See, Scripture says so-and-so. You know, don't say my pastor says so-and-so. Don't say my church says so-and-so. Are you going to start a new false religion? Say, Scripture says so-and-so. We need to be bold in that way. And uh, because they're also, like I said, coming for our families. I'm going to tell you, kids, you're, you're facing it, and teens, and 20-somethings. You're facing it more than, uh, than we faced it, than, than my parents faced it. And, and it's coming to a place of where everything is accepted. And what is beginning to even creep in, not just into our society, but creeping into the church is that there are many ways to receive salvation. And you can get to heaven in a whole lot of different ways. That's a lie of the devil. The devil doesn't want us to understand that there is only one way because if the devil can get us involved with other ways, then we're not going to get there if there's only one way. And we know the Word of God says there's one way. We're going to get there in just a moment. We got, but I got to hurry through four four false religions real quick, best I can. I got there's just so many things I want to tell you. I mean, uh, I don't know how many times over the years uh, uh, that I've preached on on the false religions and and uh, and this. But this week I've done all new research, and there's just so much stuff that I've got from years ago, and so much stuff that I've and there's just so much stuff I really want to tell you. I don't have time to tell you, but I want to tell you enough about these four so I can point out really really one major problem that there is with all of these uh, they all kind of wrap up they all they, they all somewhat are connected to Christianity as well they're all somewhat connected to us but they're false religions so we need to be careful of it but would you pray with me right now and uh, listen and hang with me here because even though this may sounds like pastors are just going to teach today on false religions no we really want to go somewhere spiritual with this at the close, okay? Because uh, God wants to do something with us. Let's pray. Father, I love you and thank you, God, for uh, God, what is real. I thank you for that, giving us something, something we can have confidence in. God, something we can stand on, Lord. Something we don't assume because somebody said somebody said. Something that, that, that even, God, we don't have to stand on uh, what our pastor said. But God, you left us your book. You left us your word, Lord. And, and it says that heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. God, to thank you, Lord, for that promise. And so we've still got your word today, and others have tried to dilute it. Others have tried to twist it. Others have tried to manipulate it. But, God, you, you've al- allowed us to have your pure word today, and I just thank you, God, for that. And let's pray, God, that you stir within us and uh, remind us, Lord, of, of God, of our commitments to you, the things we need to do and accomplish. And, God, and give us just a little boldness, not, not a confrontational boldness, but, God, a boldness to just say, this is truth. This is what the word says. I just pray, God, for all these things and lead us in this, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Now, if I were to take a poll of everyone right now, and I would just say, I, th- I think if I were to say, okay, let's begin with the most sinister. I think everybody would say this one, and it's Islam, okay? Uh, now, but here's the problem, is I think if nine years ago, 9-11 had never happened, you and I, we wouldn't be so concerned about Islam as we are today. We wouldn't. I mean, if it, ha- if it had not been for 9-11, you know, they could build a mosque maybe across the street, and y'all would, say, oh, y'all would look at it maybe almost like, well, there's another church going up, and you wouldn't really understand the, the depravity, the evil, and the wickedness that, that is in this. But, but let me show you a little bit of what's going on in the, this. This is a list, and how many of you can read this? <laughs> this is a list of all the terrorist activities that have taken place in the name of Islam across the world in the last week. All of these in the last week. Look, just yesterday, al-Qaeda snipers in, in, in Yemen fire into a police bus and kill two occupants. In Pakistan, gunmen open fire on a rival mosque killing two people. You know, that's, that's like us going down the street to Beechwood and open fire and killing some Baptists. I mean, that's what they're doing because, because they're of a different sect or, or, or uh, they're a rival mosque. And, and-
Afghanistan, a civilian is blown to bits by a suicide bomber. And in Iraq, two laborers are shot to death by Islamic militants. That happened yesterday. Did you hear that? No, we didn't hear about that. I mean, did you see that on the news? I, I, I was looking through some of these this week. Of course, we had to pull these last ones this morning. I was looking through some, I didn't. I didn't hear any of these things on the news. And you know what? If it hadn't been for 9-11, we wouldn't be concerned about all that. But look up there. Last Sunday, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine attacks happened. And these are happening all over the world. And they're not just attacking Christians. They're not just attacking the United States of America. They're attacking all other religions. And that's what that's what's going on in the Islamic world. And 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 here's where it comes from. Now there's a book called the Hadith, and this this book is it's we know about Muhammad. We'll get to him in just a moment, but we know about Muhammad. Here's what happened: is is he had disciples, people that kind of just followed him around, and they just wrote down things that he said. If he said something, they wrote it down. Oh, the prophet has spoken, and you know some of the things he said. He said that if you go to pray and you pass wind, God's not going to listen to your prayers. You know, he, he, he said that uh, one day he said that when a baby is born, every baby that is ever born, the devil touches it on both sides with his fingers. I, I, you know, I don't even know what that means, you know, exactly. And then one day he was told that uh, about a certain guy that slept through prayer time. He just stayed in bed and he slept through prayer time. And you know what he said about him? He said the devil urinated in that man, that man's ear. You see, that's the kind of stuff you get when you just sit around and write down everything somebody says. I mean, you know, if you follow me around and, and wrote down everything, I guarantee you get some, no, I don't know you get any of that kind of stuff, but you get some weird stuff and you would, but you would not be getting Word, you wouldn't be getting stuff that you can live your life on if you were writing down everything I said. And that's the problem that is right here. And so let's go on and look at the Quran, or more probably the Quran, and, and look at it for just a moment. And, and this is actually, now here's the thing, is, is, is they believe that, that there were a lot of prophets before, Noah and, and Abraham. They see David as, as a prophet, Moses obviously was a prophet, and Jesus. They say Jesus was a great prophet of God. They actually believe in the Bible, the same Bible that you and I believe in. They believe in it, uh, as long as it doesn't conflict with the Koran, you know. Uh, they believe in it, but they only believe. Uh, let me, I tell you this. I tell you this about about Jesus. They they obviously don't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. He was he was just that, and that Jesus didn't die on the cross for your sin. I mean, because they obviously can't believe that. Because they believe that, then you can't have this kind of word. So so they don't believe that. But they believe Judas disguised himself and he went and died. And then, you know, and so Jesus wasn't raised for your sins either. You know, and, you know, one of the other things they believe, the Quran says that, that Solomon knew bird language. I mean, he could speak to birds. You know, he was like the first Dr. Doolittle or whatever, you know. Uh, you, know or, you know, he could speak to birds. He actually knew bird language. And, and you know, I don't have time, and, uh, I don't have time to, to, to tell you all the stuff, the weird, crazy, stupid stuff. Here, here's, here's where it gets to with me, is it's all back to this guy right here. It's the prophet, Muhammad, or Muhammad, whichever way you want to spell it. It, it. it all gets back to him because he's the guy that wrote the Quran, okay? He says that God gave him this new revelation, and it kind of adds to all of this. I mean, he, he believed that the Jews and the early Christians would actually accept his book because he was starting from here is what he was saying. So he believed that we would all just jump on board and say, hey, that sounds great. There's a lot of problems, and, and my biggest problem is, is if it's going to be built on one man, then i got to know about the character of that man. You know, if I'm going to go to a church somewhere and listen to somebody preach, I want to know about the character of that guy. You know, I, you know if I've if I got some problems with his character, I'm going to have some problems sitting under his teaching. And, you know, if I'm going to follow a religion that is totally based on what one guy said, 
I want to know something. Well, let me tell you about his character. In, in the Quran, he says that, that God limits men to four wives. So, you know, you can only have four. Guys can't have five. You can only have four. But he had 12 plus concubines. Oh, now that right there tells me something about his character, does it not? You And that wasn't even enough for him because uh, one day he went to, into one of his wife's room, Hassa, she, he went into her room and she had a new maid called Mariah and, and he thought she was really pretty so he sent his wife on an errand and while she was gone, he had sex with, with the, the maid. And then when his wife came back, she realized what, you know, she kind of, feel the tension in the air, whatever. She realized what was going on. She confronted him about it. He asked for her forgiveness, and she went and told her friend, told the other other wives, and and so they started, you know, they started talking behind his back and some things, and, and so he got mad at him, and he said, well, he said, I'm just put you out of my bed, and he said, I'm not going to sleep with any of you for a whole month. Well, you know, he couldn't deal with that for a whole month, so thankfully, Allah came back and Issued a new declaration that, hey, don't worry about it. I know you said this thing, but you don't have to live by what you said. So go ahead. You can sleep with your wives whenever you want to. And as a matter of fact, this new proclamation from Allah also denounced the wives for talking behind his back. Now, wait a minute. He's either the mouthpiece of God. He's either the prophet and everything that comes out of his mouth is or is not. How then could he speak one thing and then turn it around? You know, you can't have it both ways. Wrap it up right here. And I'm not going to be able to give you a whole lot of background on who Muhammad is and all this stuff. Wrap it up right here. Here's the way he feels about women. And this is what he says about if you've got a wife that you're concerned about, you know, is not doing what she should do. As to those on whose part you fear desertion, first, admonish them. Second, leave them alone in sleeping places. Don't sleep with them, he said. And third, beat them. Now, some English translations of the Quran says, adds to that in parentheses, lightly. Women, don't, don't you appreciate that, that they're going to beat you lightly, you know, if they, you know, if you get out of line. And it's, they're not going to beat you really severely. They're just going to beat you lightly if they're worried about some of these things. You know, here's, here's the guy. Here's the thing. And this is the problem that I have. And, and wrapping all this up about, uh, about Islam, I, I just got to say this. Here's the problem. Is that, is that we're going beyond the word of God into a new book and it's all written by one man. I mean, it has, it has nothing to do with about let's connect with God. It has about, it's all about this one man. It is about Muhammad. It is about a focus on him. It is about what he has taught. It is about anything that just spewed out of his mouth. It is about following the, uh, the opinions, the, the, just the, the, the daily opinings of, of some man that lived centuries ago that, you know, and regardless of just whatever he thought and whatever, he, whoever he wanted to punish, whoever he was mad at that day, it is about following this guy. Okay. So now second religion we'll get to is something that's right here in our, definitely in our neighborhood right now is the Mormons, the Latter-day Saints go right down this road, Mount Olive Road to get to 31, right before you get to 31, look on your left, you'll see a temple in our backyard. I don't know if that bothers, it bothers me. Does it bother, the reason it bothers me is that we, we don't care. I mean, we acted like, when it was built, we acted like we didn't even care. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that we should have picketed. I'm not saying that we should have, should have told the authorities, don't let them build. I'm saying, where were the prayer? God, where are we falling? You know, it's like, it's like we need to wake up and realize, okay, and I know you may say, but the Mormons, they're such good people. Yeah, I agree. They are good people. I mean, you know, I like the Osmonds. I, 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 you know, they're great people. I, I love listening. Man, they've got some great harmony. Those five guys, man, and, and my wife was going to marry Donnie, you know, when she was a teenager, you know. So, I mean, you know, I like the Osmonds. And the Mormons, they are great people. I got, I got other things in my mind that I can tell you about. They are great people. But this is not about the people. It is about, it is about a religion that is a 
false religion that is that is. And I'll tell you this: if they get rid of this, if they get rid of this book right here, if they would get rid of this book and just go because they believe this same Bible that you and I believe, if they'd throw that book out and some other stuff they need to throw out, I, man, I, it would be great because they do a great work in a whole lot of ways. But there's a whole lot of problems with it here. For instance, and I don't have time to tell y'all. Here's here's just some of their beliefs. They believe in polytheism, meaning more than one God. They believe the Father is is and the son and the holy spirit are, are three separate beings but not only that they believe that there are going to be possibly millions of gods uh, they believe in spirit children god our god had children he had spirit children and jesus is one of them and lucifer is another jesus and lucifer are brothers now, that's something they believe. They believe in the president is prophet. Here again, same thing as with, as with Muhammad. They believe whoever is the president or the leader of the Mormon church, when he speaks, it is, it's gospel. It's law. It's something that you've got to, you know, you got to write down. You've got to make sure. And in the doctrines of covenants, that's what they, you know, they've done is, is you write that down. You make sure that you know everything that is, you know, you got to follow that because this is important. If he said it, and that's where we get polygamy from. The polygamy is, is actually not in the Book of Mormon. Polygamy is actually something that, that one of these presidents spoke some years ago. And, and actually the Book of Mormon speaks against it. But, then one of the prophets said something. So anyway, preexistence and eternal, uh, eternal progression. Here, here's, here's what they believe and kind of wraps up there with the polytheism as well is that you and I, human beings, we've existed since way before the earth was ever created. We existed somewhere. And as we began to believe in God and trust Him and everything, then we got a little closer to the earth. I mean, we had to exist here or here. But then finally, we believe in God. We start doing good enough. We get to be born here on the earth and we're born. We live here. And if we, and if if we live really good and we really follow Jesus, see, they're, they're connected because they're the, la- the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They're connected to it. They say, if you believe Jesus and obey him enough, what is going to eventually happen and through all your progressions and all your evolutions that are happening in your spirit and your person is that you are going to become just like God in the same power and authority and ability that God has. And, and, and if you had your marriage done in the Mormon temple, then your marriage, you and your spouse, your marriage is, uh, is going to be for eternal. And so for you men, you're going to be God and your wife is going to be goddesses. And you, you know, if you keep this progression going, one of these days, you're going to have your own planet, just like kind of like Adam and Eve did. And you know, you're going to populate that planet just like they populated the earth. You're going to be God over that planet. Your wife is going to be eternally pregnant. How you like that, ladies? You know, but that's that's something that they teach. Not, you know, all these things aren't in the Book of Mormon. Some of them are, some of them aren't. But this is the preexistence and the eternal progression. That that now here's the deal: is the doctrines and covenants. Anything you know, whenever there's a president, you know, I mean, he gets an idea, he gets a thought, he throws it out. Look at this uh, one. One thing right here. The idea that the Father and the Son dwell in a man's heart is an old sectarian notion and it's false. One day, one of the presidents said this. They wrote it down so they have to believe it because the president said it. And they have to live by it. I, I mean, it's not, it's not up for debate. It's not up for prayer. We can't go to the Scripture and say, now, wait a minute, what does the Word of God say? He says it's, He said it's an old sect. No, it's actually here in the Word of God. I mean, that's what God does. Uh, go on if we can. We go to the book, uh, the Pearl of Great Price. Uh, this is another book that they have to they have to live by, and, and and it's got a lot of writings. Some of the things that were taken from the Old Testament and that were retranslated by Joseph Smith, and and um, now I don't have time to tell you 
all the stuff about Joseph Smith, but the translation that he did there. But then also there's, uh, there's, a, there's a book in there called the Book of Abraham in the Pearl of Great Price. And he supposedly translated uh, these papyrus uh, uh, writings uh, that, and, and they've been proven false. I mean, they're, 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 they're real artifacts, but the way he translated them was totally false. I mean, it has nothing to do. I mean, he translated them believing they were certain things. And that's actually here in their Pearl of Great Price. And, and they all have to believe in this because he says he translated them. So let's get to the Book of Mormon then. It was written 180 years ago by Joseph Smith. One man, one man, Joseph Smith, wrote this. Now, I, you know, got a problem with that. Word of God says, let every word be confirmed in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Look at the Word of God, written over a span of 1,500 years by over 40 different people. Over 15, and yet not one word contradicts another word. They all agree with one another. But here is one man writing a word. But the word of God says, let everything be confirmed in the mouth of two or three witnesses. I don't have time to tell you about how this book came to pass. But he says at the age of 14, God visited him and uh, and told him that the church, the Christian church, was in a state of apostasy, meaning they had walked away from him. And he said, I'm going to teach you how to bring the Christian church back. And four years later, he is visited by Moroni, who is a, a resurrected being, uh, uh, and, and a Lamanite. Now, I'll explain who a Lamanite is in a, in, in a minute. That in the fifth century... Uh, this country, the fifth century in this country, he lived here. And just before he died, he hid some golden plates. Moroni did. Okay. So now he's resurrected and he's come to, he's come to talk to Joseph Smith and he shows him the golden plates. And he said, now these golden plates are going to show you exactly how the Christian church is supposed to act, behave, and all the things they're supposed to do. And you need to translate these into English. And so he translated them, but when he translated them, he didn't even have the plates in front of them. Most of the time that he was translating, he was sitting in his house with his his wife and he was speaking and his wife was just writing stuff down. Most of the time what he used instead of those golden plates that nobody else has ever seen and that he says now have been now had been destroyed or he said years later it had been destroyed. Instead of using those, he used what he called a seer stone, S-E-E-R stone. This is something like a witch doctor or something like a, a, a fortune teller would use. And what he did is he would go around village to village and for a fee, he would go out in your yard and use this seer stone to find buried treasure. He never found any buried treasure, but he took people's money to find it. So he was arrested eventually and he was charged. He was tried and he was found guilty of fraud using this seer stone. And this was right before he says he, he sees these plates and he translates them based on using this seer stone. You know, I, I, I got a lot of problems right here. Then also the historically inaccurate claims. He says that Jesus Christ, the book of Mormon says that Jesus Christ came to the Americas between the time of of his death and resurrection when he was like when his body was in the tomb he came to the to the americas and he he spoke to uh, some civilizations that lived here and uh, that's where the uh, the lamanites come in uh, uh you know he spoke to them but here's the problem is there's never been one artifact there's never been any excavation there's never any archaeology whatsoever that has ever proved anything i mean uh, he talks about the animals they use he talks about elephants but this was back 2000, there were no elephants here in America. He talks about honeybees. Honeybees were not even introduced here at that time. He talks about, all, he talks about the pieces of money, the gold and silver. And just like in the Bible, you can see things like talents and these kinds of pieces of, of money. Those have all been found in the Middle East. 
none of these pieces of silver or gold that were supposedly here when Jesus supposedly came 2,000 years ago and visited, uh, visited these civilizations. None of them have ever been found. And, and, and the Lamanites, I've just got to tell you this, this is a, the, the Book of Mormon is a, is a racist book as well because the Lamanites, eventually, they become the uh, American Indian, what you and I would call an American Indian or a Native American today. And the reason, now here's the thing is they were supposedly Jews, these Lamanites were, but now, you know, so my first question is, well, they don't look like Jews. Well, what happened was because of their wickedness, their evilness, God cursed them and gave them dark skin and that's why they look like they do today. A very racist book is, 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 is what this is. And all the contradictions. I mean, the polygamy thing is not even in the Book of Mormon. It's something a guy dreamed up. One of their prophets dreamed up. One of their presidents dreamed up. And it's just over. Alma chapter, in the Book of Mormon, Alma chapter 7 and verse 10. Now remember, this was written 180 years ago, but supposedly it was supposed to, supposed to have been written many, many uh, centuries ago. Alma chapter 7 verse 10 says that Jesus Christ will be will be born of Mary in the city of Jerusalem. Jesus wasn't born in Jerusalem. He was born in Bethlehem. I mean, there's so many inaccuracies in it. And you know what? This was written 180 years ago. It looks like Alma could have gotten it right 180 years ago, being as Jesus was born 2,000 years ago, right? There's so many troubling things right here. But once again, what is the, what is the, the whole of the matter is this is that this book and, and this whole religion, this whole religion is, even though they believe in this, this whole religion is based on these, these opinions and these ideas of one man and then all these, the, the, uh, the Book of Mormon has been changed almost 4,000 times in 4,000 places in the Book of Mormon since it was first published 180 years ago. There's a problem with this. I mean, and it's not about a God, it's about a man-made something that has been built up. Okay. Let's move on, okay? Gotta got move on, gotta wait too much. Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm not gonna spend much time here because we probably don't know them as well. They're not as prevalent, but they are, they are very, uh, hard, going hard at trying to, to win people. I mean, that's, that's who they all, that's who they're all about. It was started in the 1870s by a man named Charles Russell. Charles Russell, incidentally, um, he, um, prophesied that Jesus Christ would return in 1874. When he didn't, he said, well, I got the date wrong. It's 1914. And, Guess what? He didn't come in 1914 either, right? I mean, we're still waiting on Christ's return. Um, he uh, used the Watchtower. You may have seen this magazine. I haven't seen them in a long time. Used to see them all the time at the post office. People would leave them places. They still print 18 million copies of these every time they print them. And I believe they do that once a month. 18 million copies. It's all about works. If you know a Jehovah's Witness, ask them what they're, if they're devout, ask them what their week is like. They'll tell you what they do on Monday, what they do on Tuesday, and what they do on Wednesday all, all through the week. And they will tell you that if they don't knock, continue to knock on doors and continue to see, then their salvation Salvation is in jeopardy. Their, their salvation is all about works. And they have their own translation of the Bible called the New World Translation. Let me give you one example out of it, okay? Because they don't believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. Our, our word, what we know of the original, uh, the original Greek text says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Here's what their translation says. In the beginning, the word was, uh, in the beginning, the word was, and the word was with God, and the word was a God. And small. But if you go back to the original Greek, if you go back to the Greek text, you look at it there, you will see that the beginning of the word word and the beginning of the word God are both capital letters, meaning they are a proper noun. Meaning, you know, I, if I call you a man, you know, 
little M, right? But if I say, you the man, <laughs> you know, that's capital M. That's the, and, you know, that's the difference is they're saying Jesus is a God, where we're saying, no, Jesus is God. You know, he, he, he found, even though he found himself in form like as a man, he didn't consider itself to be robbery, to be, to be considered in the likeness of God because that's who he is, because he is part of the Godhead. I don't, again, I don't understand the Trinity, but the Word of God says there are three that bear record in heaven, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, First John chapter 5, verse 7. And these three are one. And, you know, but here's, here's what they teach is he he's only is a God. And that, that he didn't actually, it wasn't Jesus that died for your sin. It wasn't Jesus that died on the cross. Actually, it was just Michael, the archangel. He died on a stake. And then he wasn't really resurrected bodily. He was just resurrected spiritually. And then he actually did come to back to the earth in 1914, but he was invisible, and so no one knew it. And so the prophecy supposedly was fulfilled. Okay, here again, what's the, what's the problem with the whole thing? The problem with the whole thing is even though, yes, they believe in the Word of God, they've added so much stuff to it. It's all about a man. It's all about what a man thought. It's all about what a man has said. It's all about all this other crazy stuff. It's all about a man. It's all about what one said. It's all about this, and there's no confirmation of it. There's no val- validity to it as well. One more i got to share with you before we get to Scripture, real Scripture, is Catholicism. And sometimes I know we look at this and we say, well, wait a minute, they're, they're Christian, aren't they? I mean, because they use, yeah, they use the same Bible, they use a whole lot of other stuff as well. And this is the reason we have to characterize them as a separate religion. It's because they've got their own group of writings and all those things just as well. And so let me just tell you about four things. First of all is sacred tradition. You know what this, basically it's the same thing that we've already talked about with these other three religions. Is that when, when a pope says something, they write it down. That becomes sacred tradition. A lot of the things that you, the, the weird things, the things that, 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 that are part of the Catholic faith that you and I look at and say, ooh, that's weird. You know what, where they came from? They didn't come from Scripture. They came from the writings of sacred tradition. When they have their meetings and they make their proclamations and declarations, those are the sacred traditions. And one of those is praying to saints. You know, you don't just have to pray for Jesus. Jesus might be busy today. You can pray to his mom. You know, well, she might be busy. So pray to Simon Peter or pray to, you know, to Timothy, whoever you want to pray to. There's a bunch of them out there. So just, you can pray to any of Word of God doesn't tell us. We, you know, there's nowhere in Scripture that that is even recommended. You know, but one day somebody thought, hey, we ought to pray to the saints too because they could sure help us in heaven. But, you know, Scripture also doesn't even tell us. We don't even know if they can hear us, if they can see us exactly. I mean, I know there's that Scripture about the cloud of witnesses, but we don't know exactly what that... We don't even know that they can hear us if we were to say so. You know, there, there's no background for this. Another of the sacred tradition is a confessional. I mean, where they go and they confess their sins to a priest. You know what? Priest can't forgive me my sin. I, and I don't need to just feel better about it. I need to talk to God about my sin. I messed up, God. Please forgive me. And also, help me not do it anymore. Sanctify my body. Sanctify my soul. And help me so that I don't mess up anymore. I mean, you know, I need to talk to God about those things. And nowhere, nowhere. Right, they, use that, they use that scripture where, where uh, Christ says, whoever sins you remit or remit whoever sins you remit. You know, but there's... They're, they're taking that as saying that you're in charge of who gets to go to heaven. And you're in, and that's not true. That's not what this is about. But it's sacred tradition. And the indulgences and the per- I don't have time to tell you what they are. I don't have time to explain them what they are. Google them later and you'll see, okay? Uh, indulgences and purgatory. But let me tell you what there's... The reason that they've added these is because here's the belief. Is that the grace of God is not strong enough 
to forgive you of all your sin. There are some things that you've done in your past that you're going to have to work for. That's what the indulgences are. And there are some things that you've done that are so wrong that before you can go to heaven, after you die, you're going to have to go to purgatory for a while and work some things out. And that just, that just flies in the face of the efficacy of the blood of Jesus Christ to forgive me of everyone. I believe that the sweet, precious blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary is able to forgive me of all my sins. I don't have to work it out in, a, in an afterlife purgatory. I don't have to work it out in, by doing a few Hail Marys and some rosary bead prayers and some of the indulgences. I don't have to work it out for that. Here again, here's the problem. It, the problem is we start at a good place, but then we start adding all these things. And here's the, here's the big issue for me, especially with the Catholic Church, but with all these really, but with the Catholic Church, is the Catholic Church doesn't bring me closer to God. The Catholic Church brings me closer to man. The Catholic Church puts people in, the, in my way between me and God. I mean, it, it gives me saints that I pray to and hope that they can get a prayer to God. But what I know... oh. I, that's in my scripture i got to read. So why don't we just jump on to the scripture, okay? What does the Word of God say about it? Come on, Jamie, get ready, if you will. Musicians, here's a, can, can, you, can you listen to me while they move? If you can't, I'll tell them to stand right where they are, okay? Listen to me, listen to me while they move, okay, and they get ready. And we'll just, because we, we kind of went a little long with it, because I, I want us to take some time here in the altar this morning. Let's, let's go to what the Bible says right here. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the Father unless they come by me. Now, that sounds braggadocious, and it would be bragging unless you could back it up. But you know what? Jesus can back it up. You know, he's the champion. And when he says, I'm going to win, that's not bragging. That's just fact. Amen. When he says, I'm the way, it's not bragging. It's just fact. He is the way. He's the only way we can get to heaven. And there is no, and all these other ways that have been created, the, the works and the indulgences and, and all these things that we got to do and the doctrines and covenants and, and the hadith and all, all these things, they're all false. You know, this is the truth. And go on. Uh, in Timothy, Paul writes, Continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. From childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The Scriptures, right? And those Scriptures are given by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay? Those scriptures, the scriptures, right? Talking about the scriptures. And look what Hebrews says about them. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, he has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Okay, now, here, you know, most of them take, they take the Old Testament verbatim. It's, in the, it's the New Testament these false religions start twisting and saying, you know, Jesus wasn't really God, or Jesus couldn't really do this or whatever. But here's... Here's what, the, here's what the writer says in Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews say, says, and if you back it up with the, what Paul was saying to Timothy just a moment ago and thinking about the Scriptures, and, and, and here's where we get to it with it, is that, yes, God did speak to us through all those prophets in the Old Testament, but now these are the last days. We're still a New Testament church. Nothing has changed. There's not a new covenant added to it. We're still a New Testament church. And in these last days, God has changed from speaking to us through those prophets to speaking to us through His own Son, Jesus Christ. But they argue whether He's the Son or not. Well, look right here. 
Uh, men, uh, this is in, in Simon Peter's uh, sermon on the day of Pentecost. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to, by, you, by, by God to you by miracles. He was proven by God to you through his miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst. You yourselves, you also know this. He was delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You took him by lawless hands. You crucified him. You put him to death. But... God raised him up and loosened the pains of death because it was not possible that Jesus could be held by the pains and the strength of death. This Jesus God raised up of which we are all witnesses. Therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Here's, here's what he's saying, talking about right here. I mean, Simon Peter is preaching all of Jesus Christ. He's saying Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This is who he is. He was there from the foundation of the world, created all these things. You took him though, you crucified him, but God resurrected him on the third day, raised him up, but didn't just raise him up on this earth. He also exalted him to the right hand. And now he is, I don't need a saint praying for me because I don't know where a saint might be. I don't know where they're by. I know it's in the presence of God, but what I have been told right here is that Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand hand, not somewhere distant. He is at the right hand of the Father, able to make intercession for me immediately when I pray. And listen, not one, these scriptures that I just read to you and the, and the truths that I just espoused to you over the last five minutes, not one of these four false religions that I've talked to you about this morning agree with the things that I've just told you about Jesus and his, and his deity and about his death and burial and resurrection and, and his ascension and his right place as the way, truth, and life, and the advocacy that he gives us as our mediator, sitting at the right hand of God. None of these false religions agree with that. That's why we got to discard them. That's why we've got to say, I'm sorry, that's not what the Word of God says. And when somebody says something, you say, well, you know, that sounds okay, and they're pretty good people. We've got to say, no, I'm sorry. You're a pretty good guy. You're a pretty good Mormon. You're a pretty good Islam. You know, you're pretty good in those ways, but... I got to tell you, the scripture says this, Jesus Christ is, he was, and he evermore shall be. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was God who created. He was God who died. He was God who raised up. And he is still God today, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he is, he is going to always be God over the universe. Would you stand with me, please? In that is very, very good news. Because here, here's, here's the whole issue for me. Here's the whole issue for me. All those other religions point you to a man or a system about working your way to salvation. But this book points you to a God. And you know what this book says? All these other religions won't tell you this. And in pretty much, I don't know of any other religion in the entire world, world that would tell you this. This book right here tells you that nobody stands between you and God today. You can reach out to him. You can talk to him. You don't have to talk to me to talk to him for you. You can pray. You can praise him and glorify him and give him honor. You don't have to let somebody else do it for you. Don't let them do it for you. Don't let me do your praying. Don't let them do your worshiping. You can do that. Nobody stands between you and him.
Jamie's going to lead us in a song. I want you to do, I want you to come on to the, the front with me. Come to this prayer area. Go ahead, Jamie, if you will. Just start leading us. We're going to come back and do one last thing. I got some, one last thing I want to share with you.